how to teach his son the meaning of the word no. At dinner, he'd dangle his wristwatch before Frank's eyes, then say, No! and jerk it back just as the boy grabbed for it. When Frank persisted, Frank Sr. would slap his hand until he was howling with fury and desire. This happened night after night. Frank would not take the lesson to heart. As soon as the watch was offered, he snatched at it. Frances followed her mother's example and said nothing. She was eight years old, and while she feared her father's attention, she also missed it and resented Frank's obstinacy and the disturbance it caused. Why couldn't he learn? Then her father slapped Frank's face. This was on New Year's Eve. Frances still remembered the stupid tasseled hats they were all wearing when her father slapped her baby brother. In the void of time after the slap, there was no sound but the long rush of air into Frank's lungs. As red-faced, twisting in his chair, he worked up a scream. Frank Sr. lowered his head. Francis saw that he'd surprised himself and was afraid of what would follow. She looked at her mother, whose eyes were closed. In later years, Francis tried to think of a moment when their lives might have turned by even a degree turned and gone in some other direction, and she always came back to this instant, when her father knew the wrong he'd done and was shaken, open to rebuke. What might have happened if her mother had come flying out of her chair and stood over him and told him to stop, now and forever? Or if she had only looked at him, confirming his shame? But her eyes were closed and stayed closed, until Frank blasted them with his despair and Frank Sr. left the room. As Frances knew, even then her mother could not allow herself to see what she had no strength to oppose. Her heart was bad. Three years later she reached for a bottle of ammonia, said, Oh, sat down on the floor and died. Frances did oppose her father. In defiance of his orders, she brought food to Frank's room when he was banished, stood up for him, and told him he was right to stand up for himself. Frank Sr. had decided that his son needed to be broken, and Frank would not break. He went after everything his father said no to, with Francis egging him on and mothering him when he got caught. In time, their father ceased to give reasons for his displeasure. As his silence grew heavier, so did his hand. One night Francis grabbed her father's belt as he started after Frank, and when he flung her aside, Frank head-rammed him in the stomach. Francis jumped on her father's back, and the three of them crashed around the room. When it was over, Francis was flat on the floor with a split lip and a ringing sound in her ears, laughing like a madwoman. Frank Sr. said no to his son in everything, and Francis would say no to him in nothing. Frank became aware of her reluctance and learned to exploit it, most shamelessly in the months before his accident. He'd invaded her home, caused her trouble at work, nearly destroyed her marriage. To this day, her husband had not forgiven Frances for what he called her complicity in that nightmare. But her husband had never been thrown across a room or kicked or slammed head first into a door. No one had ever spoken to him as her father had spoken to Frank. He had no idea what it was like to be helpless and alone. No one should be alone in this world. Everyone should have someone who kept faith, no matter what, all the way. On the night in question, Frank said, Mike's foreman called up and asked him to take another fellow's shift at the drawbridge station where he'd been working. 
A Monday night, it was, mid-January, bitter cold. Janice was at a PTA meeting when Mike got the call, so he had no choice but to bring Benny along with him. Though it was against the rules, strictly speaking, he needed the overtime, and he'd done it before more than once. Nobody ever said anything. Benny always behaved himself, and it was a good chance for him and Mike to buddy up, batch it a little. They'd talk and kid around, heat up some francs. Then Mike would set Benny up with a sleeping bag and air mattress, a regular adventure. A bitter night, like I said. There was a furnace at the station, but it wasn't working. The guy Mike relieved had on his parka and a pair of mittens. Mike ribbed him about it, though pretty soon he and Benny put their own hats and gloves back on. Mike brewed up some hot chocolate and they played gin rummy, or tried to. It's not that easy with gloves on. But they weren't thinking about winning or losing. It was good enough just being...